Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the digital sales leadership and coaching platform that's transforming market-leading sales organizations around the world. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Tony Bennett, VP of Sales for Terminus. Terminus has led the charge in helping B2B companies use account-based marketing to drive more revenue and accelerate pipeline velocity. Their account-based marketing technology helps marketers reach target audiences with the channels each individual uses the most. Under Tony's leadership, she's built the sales team from 1 to 23 reps over the last three years and has surpassed every revenue target. Not only has she helped build an award-winning organization, she's helped fuel the growth of the ABM movement. As a result of her leadership, Terminus has emerged as a leader in the ABM space, and they have no signs of slowing down in the future. Tony, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tony, I'm super excited to have you. I, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch you speak at different conferences and follow what's happened uh, in, in your company as, as Terminus has really done some amazing things with the Flip My Funnel and other things that you're doing. I'm super impressed with your company, and I wanted to start with just asking, how, how has it been being the first person then to build this really successful sales team? It's hard enough starting a company. How do you do it while you're also helping fuel the growth of an emerging industry in the account-based marketing movement? <laughs> well, first off, thanks for all the nice words. Uh, it's a loaded question, but um, yeah, I think, I think one thing that actually helped me a lot was the fact that I didn't have a lot of previous leadership experience, which uh, traditional wisdom would say is not a good thing for this kind of role, but I think it really caused me to think outside the box. I came to Terminus having worked for a couple of really exciting, fast-growing startups, including uh, Pardot, who was acquired by Salesforce or the marketing automation space and Salesloft, had worked under some incredible sales leaders who had been pretty early in defining some of their own movements and kind of market changing technology. And so I feel like I learned a lot from their approach, but I think the key is never to uh, just operate as business as usual, but always thinking like, well, let me take a step back. I think it starts with true genuine excitement and passion for the space that you're in, which from the very beginning, what drew me to Terminus caused me to take a big risk on a very small company at the time was belief in the mission of what our founders wanted to build. And I think if you have that, uh, coming to the table every day and being willing to challenge what you are already doing and just think, like, what is the absolute best, clearest way to take this message to market and get people excited about it um, and continuing to challenge what you're doing so that you can get better each day at a time. Uh, in terms of helping to... Uh, Take the movement further. A lot of that came from Sangram, our CMO and co-founder, who, again, is super passionate about the problem that we're solving. Uh, but we're always trying to think, I mean, if we're passionate about this problem, how do we take it to market and how do we get others excited? So I have to apologize. I got, I'm so excited to learn and hear what you're doing. And this is great. I, I can't wait to dive into how your idea that being newer to the leadership position 
gave you more out-of-box thinking, and out-of-box thinking was required to build a movement. I want to dive into that. I got ahead of myself. I need you to first take a minute, share with our listeners the Terminus story. It's important that they hear the story, so then we can talk about how you helped build it. Yeah, sure. So when I started Terminus just over three years ago, I was a ninth employee. Uh, We had just a little bit of revenue in the door, maybe five uh, low-paying customers on board. Uh, We had sustained growth before that by being kind of an ad services company to get some revenue while, while our founders were building out the product. So when I joined, it was full steam ahead. And so uh, essentially, we focused, we chose as a business to focus the majority of our marketing spend resources efforts on talking about ABM and not about our own product and offering, trying to help build the community and space, believing that it would also come back and benefit us as a business. Um, but Terminus, as you alluded to, is an account-based marketing company. Our goal, our mission is to help companies operationalize their ABM strategy. So to date, we've been focused on account-based advertising, and we believe we are the best at account-based advertising in the market. Um, but coming in Q4, we're really expanding our offering. We acquired a company called BrightFunnel. That's going to enable us to do some really cool and exciting things that will take us beyond account-based advertising into some new realms. Uh, some more to come on that. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. So, so now we're back to where I, you know, hopefully this will start to tie uh, everything together. So you're number nine. You bring it in. Account-based marketing is emerging. It blows up pretty fast. You start with account-based advertising. Sounds like you're doing some other things. You're building this movement. What's it like? I mean, there's got to be times when you have ups and downs and, you know, movements don't just happen overnight. You know, you have battles that you win and battles that sometimes you might not. What's it like as a head of sales when you're trying to figure out how do you learn from the past to be predictive and, and chasing the future in a way that you're excited about? Well, it's exciting and frustrating at times. Uh, I think there's several things in the question that you asked, but what I started thinking about immediately was, you know, my husband's building his own company. They're super early stage, and I've been around a lot of other startups in the Atlanta community, and I think some of the problems and challenges we face are similar to any business, which is every stage of growth, every stage of the business, uh, there's new things that become extremely exciting, and there's new things that become extremely challenging. So early on, we were preaching the gospel of ABM, and a lot of people just didn't really know what that meant. Uh, it was super new. So it was a lot of education and explanation and evangelistic selling and a lot of people saying, hey, I like this, but we're just not there yet, which yep. was very similar to what I saw early on in, in my marketing automation days. Um, over time, we now are in a spot where we've seen that ABM has really blown up, which is thrilling to be a part of that journey. But on the flip side, our biggest frustration is that um, ABM is so popular. There are so many companies that have kind of jumped on this bandwagon. There are so many options. There's a lot of market confusion. A lot of buyers are are confused, are kind of lost in the weeds of, well, I could go with this option or this or this, and they're not apples to apples. There's overlapping products with overlapping functionality. So it's exciting now that we're doing a lot less education, a lot more people just inherently get it, but uh, a lot more, of course, competition. Uh, so again, each, each phase is a little bit different. Okay, so, so I'm still thinking about how you started this conversation, Tony, and it was an insight I didn't anticipate talking about today. 
you talked about one of your advantages was, you know, being new to this VP of sales role gave you an opportunity to have more out of box thinking. You weren't like stuck in how you've always done things or how things have always been done. Can you kind of share maybe a couple of thoughts on, on how this out of box thinking led to success for you as you help build the company? Because I, I think that's genius. I, I think that that's something that every listener here should stop and think about and say, are we doing enough out of box thinking to help grow our companies? Absolutely. I think uh, a couple things. So first, I think when you hire someone who is younger in their career, you typically get a workhorse, someone who is hungry and eager to prove themselves. So uh, our, our CEO in hiring me instead of, you know, some proven exec with 20 years of sales leadership experience um, probably knew that he was getting someone very eager to prove herself mm. um, and to continue to grow in the role. So first comes like intense uh, motivation. Uh, in terms of out-of-the-box out of thinking, I think there's a couple angles. I think first off, I am still pretty young in my career. And so coming in, actually the more than half of the team that I manage, most of my team is male, uh, but over half the team I manage is actually older than me. So I had to, first time sales leader, I've got people who have more sales experience than me. I had to approach this from a very humble and inclusive kind of mentality. I had to come to my team and say, look, I'm not going to have all the answers. I'm probably going to mess some stuff up. I'm figuring this out with you. However, if I am committed to including you in this process, I need you to be committed to growing this company and work like essentially as hard as I do to push things forward. And so I think um, I didn't approach things like I had all the answers and I had mm. a network of 10 other sales leaders, CROs and VPs of sales that I was constantly calling. So like Derek Grant has been a big mentor of mine. He was yep. my VP of sales at Pardot. He's now at SalesLoft. Super smart guy and had seen yep. a lot. Him amongst a number of others were my constant core of how did you do this? How do you do this? And then I think the last piece of it is um, since I hadn't done it before, I wasn't trying to bring a playbook that had worked previously. Everything was how do we problem solve what's best for our business at this time? What worked for sales off, what worked for you know IBM, that's not necessarily going to work for us. So I didn't have that experience to lean on, which at times was challenging. But at the flip side, again, I think that just inherently causes out-of-the-box thinking because you're like, well, crap, i got to figure this out from scratch. Yeah. Um, how would I do this? And again, it, it caused me to include my team a lot in the process. And last point on that, I think especially in an early-stage company, but any stage company, what motivates people, especially millennials, is feeling like they're part of something bigger. So if you can approach your sales team with a, not a, hey, this is what we're doing, execute my plan, but let's figure this out together. I am going to make the decision at the end of the day, but I'm going to take your input and try to make this the best it can. And I actually value your input because you're in the trenches doing it. I think that has also helped me uh, to get really great ideas from the team. That's made me look even better. Um, that's that's a that's a great story. I love how you said that your focus was to be, you know, this attitude of being humble and inclusive, but still uh it's your team. Is that a tough balance to make or or was that natural? Is that just kind of how you're wired? Was that an intentional decision? That's that's a pretty interesting perspective. I think that's pretty natural to me. I'm a very collaborative kind of decision maker. I don't have a problem making the final decision at the end of the day, but 
I'm in general someone who never thinks that I have the best answer all the time and really likes to get input from others anyway. But I've just seen it. It works so well early. It's just something that's inherent in the way that me and the other leaders on the sales team run our team. Hey, guys, we want to make changes to our opportunity management process. You guys are in the trenches. What do you think? Let's get a committee of three of you. You guys do some thinking. Come back and present to us what you think we need to do. Here's what the the business or the board is asking us to deliver. What are your thoughts and ideas? And again, usually it saves me a lot of work, and I'm getting great ideas from the team. So I want you to look back over the last three years now, and, and we got a lot of people that are that are going to be interested to hear the story of how Terminus has, has had such a great story. If you were to look back and say, what's kind of my blueprint? What were the the pieces of the puzzle that put, that helped me as a leader grow this thing? Well, what would some of the pieces of that blueprint, what would some of those non-negotiables be that if you look back and say, this is what helps us win as a team? That's a good question. I think... I think part of it comes back to some of the theme we were just talking about. So I know culture is kind of overhyped and all startups talk about culture, culture, but I think culture and people are the core to everything. I think part of the reason we have won at Terminus is because of our people, because we have passionate, excited, hardworking, motivated people who genuinely want to see this company be great. And so I think part of that comes back to how do you create an inclusive culture? And I think making your team feel part, feel committed, feel inspired to help the company move forward is a key piece. And I think uh, hiring the right profile, I've chosen that to make sure that when I'm hiring someone, I'm hiring for, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, attitude over previous experience, but to some degree that's true. Like I want the person with previous experience, but I'd rather have the person who's earlier in their career, who's super hungry, who's super positive, um, who cares about customer outcomes than the person who is, you know, a quota crusher in their previous role, but is only about money and only about themselves. Uh, we tried to build, and especially me being a, a female in sales, having been the only female on several, like pretty much all male sales teams, one of my big goals was to create a diverse team, but also a, a team of people who genuinely care about the customer and aren't just about getting a sale, making money, although that's, of course, core to sales to some degree. And so I think a lot of it is the hiring profile of our sales reps. They're passionate, and they want to see the company be successful. Um, outside of that, I think it's problem solving. The last thing I'd say that's made us really successful and helped me to grow this team is every quarter it's like, things are going great. We're on a roll. Oh crap. There's the next problem. There's the next challenge. Demand dropped off here. X dropped off there. This isn't having the return we expected. And so it's a constant state of problem solving. And so, Again, asking for advice from a lot of people, but always slowing down to think through where are we at? What do we think will make the most sense in our business? I think a lot of sales leaders, especially younger sales leaders I talk to, are always waiting for someone else to give them the answer or tell them what worked before. But every business is different. Uh, so problem solving, I, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well, but I think that's just a really core piece to an early stage uh, company. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because. Sometimes when you're starting something, you, you have to figure out how do you balance being just opportunistic from saying we're going to have these targeted wins. And as an, as an ABM company, I'm sure that maybe you even live that more 
What was that? What was that like trying to figure out how do I build the process? How do I identify for these people as we're growing? We have one rep, we have five reps. Now we have 10 as we're getting these problem solvers, as we're getting these people that want to be builders and not just have a job, how do you bring them on and help them be intentionally successful faster? That, that had to be a pretty big challenge for you. Yeah, a lot, it comes down to a lot of coaching. So early on, I'll tell you, it's changed over time. My first five reps, I hired people with a minimum of three, usually five plus years of sales experience, mostly from MarTech. So we're lucky in Atlanta. We've got a lot of marketing tech companies. So I had some hires from Pardot, from Mercado, from Silverpop. Um, so I hired, I was lucky enough to get people who were tenured, they knew how to sell, and they had MarTech. So this came fairly easy to them. So early on, I wanted the independent, person who could do things themselves. And frankly, I provided, I provided a lot of help with messaging and on calls, but I didn't have a strong framework. I didn't take the time to build a playbook at first. I just needed people to get moving as quickly as possible. And then over time, as you start to scale, you can't maintain that. And so now I've got people across different tenures from super young in their career to more experienced, but we do a ton of coaching here. We are very big believers in coaching. So every other week with every rep on the team, we're listening to at least one call, diving in with them on skill set development, trying to help them get better at a mix of course terminus talk tracks. But a lot of times it's about sales coaching, you know, how to better push a deal forward, how to better drive value. Uh, discovery continues to be a key theme. So you have to have a strong framework for coaching. So you went to coaching. I actually wasn't sure if we would go there. That's, that's a really common theme for the people who've been on our show. It seems like these high growth leaders across the board really have a, an interesting framework. Can you talk about your approach to coaching? I mean, how frequently, how do you decide when is it, you know, sales coaching versus uh, messaging coaching? Do you, do you have kind of a framework for how, how you've built that out. I think that's a really hot topic right now. Yeah. And it's evolved over time. So everybody know, and I think this goes back to our hiring profile and our culture. We have this motto on our sales team, get better by 1% every day. We can't change everything and drastically improve, but we want, I want reps who aren't just the leave me alone. I'm going to sit in a corner and do my thing kind of reps. The thing is our space and just tech in general is moving so fast. If you're staying still, you're moving backwards. And so we need people who are committed to personal development. So that's core to what we hire for. And then in terms of how we approach coaching, um, the more time we spend with reps, it it usually becomes pretty clear. So I'll give you an example. I have a a rep who got promoted from the SDR role younger in his career. And he said, Tony, I really want to work this quarter on coaching around negotiation. I said, honestly, Reese, I think we need to go back and focus on uh, coaching around discovery and making sure that you're properly like understanding, capturing value and driving true business value throughout your sale. He said, no, 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 I want to do negotiation. So I said, all right, send me a call. So he sends me a call, says, here's a call that I kind of botched the uh, negotiation. And so I went back and I listened. We used a tool called Gong to help us do this. I listened to calls one through five of the sales so far. I went back in our coaching session to call one and said, all right, on call one, here's the information you got from discovery. Here's what was still to be desired. Um, so if you had dug in a little bit deeper here, we need to get a little bit deeper into the true challenges this buyer is facing so we can make a stronger business case. Let's go to call two. On call two, here's where you should have asked to include someone else in the sale. We're negotiating with a manager level contact. 
this person does not have the power or authority to get this sale across the board, and now this person doesn't want to loop in their boss. We've waited too long. So here is where we should have started to more properly ask for next steps. And so we kind of went through each piece of the call and did coaching throughout and then got back to negotiation. So yes, you could have conducted this conversation a little better, but you're going to get the confidence and the leverage to do that by having a strong business case, by having the right people on board ahead of time. And so again, it's unique for every person, but either monthly or quarterly, we try to identify a skill or a talk track that we need to improve and then listen to calls, work with the rep, um, and then give them homework so they can come back and bring a new call and say, okay, here's me trying this in action. First of all, I love Gong as well, so let me echo that. I think that you picked a good one there. You said something, you said something, Tony, that it was awesome that I can't not uh, capitalize on, and I'm bummed right now that we're down to our last five or six minutes of this interview because this is something that you and me could talk about for a long time. You mentioned that your reps are coming to you and your leaders saying, this is what I want my coaching to focus on right now. Oh, I want to focus on this. And you're like, oh, let's go look at this. How do you create that culture where your reps are taking charge in what the coaching conversations are like? Because I think that is badass. That's awesome. Yeah, I think to your point, it comes down to having that inherent in the DNA of the company, the culture of the company. I think some of the ways we drive it are all the way through the interview. So when we interview somebody, um, the last step of the process is they have to try to sell Terminus to myself and other sales leaders. So we give everybody the same kind of sheet of music with some information about our product. Nice. And we have them come in and do a discovery call with us. And so from the beginning of the process, they're put on the spot and have to do a discovery. And then when we bring on new, new hires, there's a lot of putting people on the spot. I'm a big believer in us talking about a concept and then, you know, Joe, what do you think? Tell me that talk track back. And the person will look at me panicked and I'll say, don't worry. It doesn't have to be perfect. The first time you say this out loud, you're going to have marbles in your mouth. It's going to sound awkward. We just need to be comfortable with each other. I'm going to say stupid things even when I'm training you because I'm talking fast, right? None of us are going to say things perfectly. And so in the interview or excuse me, in the new hire onboarding process, we put new hires on the spot a lot. We do role playing. We have them just try things out loud again and again, provide very honest uh, feedback. And then we make sure that it's always kind of wrapped in love. So we'll be brutally honest, but with a, Hey, I just want you to get better. I'm committed to your success. And then from there, I think one of the big pools, why people have come to Terminus is because they've heard stories of how much we invest in our people in coaching. When we've had hard times, the company there, you know, our Q2 last year was kind of a tough quarter. And I thought, man, is anybody going to leave Terminus? And I think a lot of the reasons that people have stayed where, whether we have ups, whether we have downs is because they know that we are committed to their success and we're investing in them. And a lot of these reps have never gotten that before in previous companies. So I think it comes from the very beginning and who you hire. If we interview someone and it's clear that they are not interested in coaching, Frankly, we're just not going to hire that person. They're not going to be happy here because it's such a focus. Mm. We also bring it up in our Tuesday weekly sales meeting. We almost always have some sort of a coaching topic or a conversation around, hey, Brad did this on the phone the other day. I heard this on a gong call. It was really good. Let me play a clip. What do you guys think? How would you use this in your call? Like who's done something similar? So, yeah, it's, it's kind of an inherent part of our culture. That is awesome. And so you're you're building the team from the get-go with people that not only are okay with coaching, they're signing up to work for you and for your company because that's the reason that they're coming to the company in the first place. Yep. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. There's so much data out right now that says, uh, like I, we just, our company just participated in, in conducting a study with a couple of other groups that showed 75% of salespeople say they never get any coaching, but the leaders of those companies, 80% of those leaders say they're awesome at coaching. Okay. And so, so there's a big gap there. And so for you yeah. to have, have filled that gap where not only are they coming there for the coaching, they're driving, they're kind of the architect of, of, of what they want help with. That has to be something that's led to, uh, at least a, a portion of their success. Has that led to, in your mind, what has the coaching done more than just make them win more? Has it helped with engagement and things like that too? Totally. And they've gotten to the point where they want to coach each other. So, uh, a lot of times they're sharing calls with each other and, and asking peers, hey, tell me what you think about this. I tried something new today. So it's facilitated, I definitely believe, more successfully performing reps. And we see, you know, there'll be certain times where we're so busy with whatever's going on that I won't have as much time as I want to coach. And I'll be focused on maybe two or three people more than the others because they're newer. And you, it, there's a clear correlation to when we're spending a lot of time with someone and their success on paper. Uh, so we always see the actual correlations, but beyond that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's facilitated a more collaborative culture amongst the team. All right. So we, we really are starting to run to the end of it. I, I love your focus on coaching. It's, it's as I'm taking notes here, listening to you, the, the words that I'm writing down is intentional improvement. You guys have intentionally improved as a company because as a team, you've intentionally improved each person 1% every day. You have this collaborative framework where everybody is, it sounds to me like you don't have people thinking this is my little trade secret. It's, it's us instead of me. Is that a fair assessment? That's certainly the goal, and I think largely, yes, that's how the team thinks about things. It's never, I'm keeping something for myself. Yeah. Uh, the team is very open with sharing what's working for them. Well, as you grow the company, you go from 23 to 50 and 50 to 100. Uh, as I listen to your approach as a leader, I, I'm very confident that that's a culture that's probably going to stick and be pervasive the bigger you get. And I would imagine that's going to lead to a multiplier effect across the board. So congratulations to you, Tony. That's awesome. Thank you. I do think it's going to get harder as we get bigger as a team already with 23 reps. We're seeing that it's harder and harder to make sure that everyone's continuing to be collaborative and spending time with each other and all those things and even to maintain coaching. But it's very much our goal to, to keep it all up. All right. So let's, let's start to wrap. Here's, I always finish with a couple of, of similar questions with everyone. The first one, biggest challenge you faced as a leader uh, here at Terminus. What's, what's the biggest challenge you faced so far and, and how'd you address it? Yeah, I alluded to, um, you know, a, a tough Q2 last year where we started seeing our demand ratios change. So we were seeing that what we were doing before was having less success than it was having previously. And so it was messing all the numbers in our plan that said we need to schedule X number of meetings and so forth to hit our numbers uh, was off. And so it was frustrating seeing reps getting less that bad. Some of them were starting to get really frustrated. And so it was, it's tough as a leader who I care so much about the people on my team and want them to be successful. And to some degree, I've kind of promised them the world and recruiting them to come work here. Uh, it was tough to see some things that felt like they were outside of my control change, making it diff more difficult for them to do their job. Um, how did we handle it? Number one, 
staying positive, thinking longer term and not getting too caught in the weeds of right now things aren't going the way I wanted. And two goes back to the problem solving we talked about before. Here's the problem. All right. This isn't working anymore. Let's not keep trying to do this same thing. Let's figure out something different. So we changed a lot of the processes around how our SDRs were prospecting. We changed their quota. We changed their comp plan. We changed some of the qualifications of how they set meetings. And it took a few months for all those changes to have an effect, but eventually they did. And, uh, things have continued to grow. So. Yeah. Awesome. That, no, that's, I can see how that would be a massive challenge and, and, and you're probably going to continue to see different chapters of that story show up that you're going to have to continue yeah. to evolve that way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great one. Thanks for sharing it. Well, the one commonality that every high growth sales leader that we've talked to continues to have, and, and, and I'm going to ask you one extra question that I didn't ask the others. I'm going to ask you, what are you reading? Because that's important. But you mentioned something that I can't finish this interview without coming back to. You shared that you've built a network of other sales leaders that you like to collaborate with, not just having inclusion from your people, but you've reached out to other sales leaders. How has that helped you? Tremendously. It has been such a, such a critical thing for me. Um, I think it, it, critical for me in one, just giving me confidence if something's not going well, it's easy when you haven't done this before to think, oh, crap, this is my fault. You know, my CEO is going to just uh, want to say, hey, you don't know what you're doing. Get back out of here. And so by talking to other sales leaders, seeing they've gone through the same thing or have tried the same things to get out of a rut or to solve a problem that did or didn't work for them, I think it just gave me more confidence that, hey, super smart people are trying some of the same things. I'm on the right track. And then two, I think it gives you – the ideas, the leverage that you need to make smarter decisions. When you get opinions from five or seven or 10 people, I'm not going to take everyone's opinion. Um, it's not just because I, I respect someone like Derek. I may not take his exact approach, but because I do trust these people, I can take all of those things, think through them, figure out what's best for our business. Yeah. I think that that's a blueprint that part that we've never heard from any of the other sales leaders on this show yet, Tony. And that's why you see me going back to it intentionally improving as a sales leader can be driven by making sure you surround yourself with people that you can collaborate with. I really am appreciative that you shared that. Thank you. So what are you reading? What should every sales leader be reading right now that has helped you? And, and we want to add it to our library of, of books from the other leaders. What, what would you share? I don't know if this is unique, but the big one that the, the big two, so there's one that I've been re reading on a recurring basis because every time I read it, it's so helpful. And the other one is the new one that I'm reading. So the new one I'm reading is Simon Sinek's uh, Leaders Eat Last. It Love is super that book. Great yeah. book. Great book. Yeah, great one. You're well, the first one to suggest it, though. We're going to put that. That's a great one. Thanks for sharing it. Yes, I got a new recommendation. Love it. Uh, great book, super, and, and it's a lot of how I was already kind of thinking about leadership, but it's challenged me in a lot of ways to think about, um, creating a safe space for people so that they're not, uh, so that they're focused when they're at work and can do their best work. And then the other one that I've been reading on more of a recurring basis is Wooden on Leadership. It's Coach Wooden from the UCLA basketball team, I guess like the winningest coach in college basketball. Um, I love that book because it, it's kind of old school, but it's still super relevant. It's all about leading on principle. His big thing is to be a great leader. You really need to lead based on core, you know, principles, uh, core values. And when you do that, 
it gives you more clout as a leader and makes you a more consistent leader. And then a lot of the specific traits that he speaks to things like emotional restraints, uh, as well as, uh, ways to motivate your team. I just, I just love that book. It has been really good for me. Oh, I'm so stoked that you said that book. I love that book. And, uh, John Wooden. So we're a coaching company, as you know, we, we, we name all of our conference rooms after famous coaches and our biggest one is, named Wooden because yes. I agree. he is the best coach, not just the best basketball coach, the best coach in my opinion of all time. Yeah, Tony, this was awesome. I can't believe that uh, we're, we're already past the 30 minute mark and, and this went fast. You shared a killer blueprint with a very unique perspective of someone that's come in with one and, and grown it up. You've beat the odds uh, already. Uh, the momentum is your friend. I cannot wait to watch and see what happens next with your chapter and how you help Terminus lead the next level charge. I can't wait to see what the uh, announcements that you're making. How do our listeners get more from you? How do they follow you? There's probably some people that will be interested in what Terminus offers. How do they learn more about that? How do they get more of you? Yeah, so on LinkedIn, you can find me, Tony Bennett, Tony with two N's, T-O-N-N-I, uh, Tony Bennett at Terminus on LinkedIn. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me. It's just at Tony Bennett, easy enough handle. Um, in terms of Terminus, of course, you can go to our website to learn more. You can ping me on LinkedIn if you want to learn more, and I can put you in touch with somebody on the team. This was awesome. I really appreciate you. Tony Bennett, intentionally improving every part of Terminus, and as a result, uh, no all of their success is no accident. So, Tony, thanks so much. Thanks for joining the show, and happy selling to you. Thank you. Hello again, and welcome to the So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break it down and we answer the question, why did that interview even matter? Tony Bennett's perspective was awesome, it was fresh, and it was unique. I love the things that she made me think about as I interviewed her and then went back and listened to it again. And as I think about what's fueled so much success at a very cool company, I'm reminded of one of the most important leadership lessons I learned early in my career from my mentor and one of my closest friends, Dr. Gary Rhodes. Gary's the co-founder at Exvoyant, and he uh, was with me in my very first uh, big leadership job where I blew it too many different ways. And one of the lessons he taught me as he was helping me uh, move forward in my career was leaders on pedestals make easy targets. The number one thing a leader should do is avoid the pedestal at all costs. And I believe Tony showed us that. I believe that she talked about it when she said, I have this servant mentality, but she backed it up in her blueprint. It was interesting to me. It screamed at me. And there are five things I wrote down that Tony did that kept her off that pedestal that has killed so many great, talented people from being effective as a leader. The first thing that I got from Tony is a genuine belief in the movement. Now, another one of my mentors is Jim Dickey, and Jim's told me before, Rob, in revolutions, people die, and in evolutions, people develop and grow. And as companies, we don't want to lead revolutions because people die. What we want to do is find ways to facilitate evolutions. I believe Tony's doing that with the ABM movement. I believe Tony's doing that with how Terminus fits inside of that. And because she's such a genuine belief in the evolution of what they're trying to develop and build, she's been able to recruit people that are interested in developing and building themselves. And so I believe that we have to have a genuine belief in how we're helping evolve things. And that was contagious. And I believe it led to number two, where she talked about one of her great advantages was she didn't come with a really detailed playbook. I was new to this role. 
Uh, I wasn't saying this is what's worked all my career. We're going to have to find out-of-the-box ways of doing things because we're doing things that haven't been done. What worked, for instance, she said at a previous job at Sales Loft, might not work here. So that led to number three, where since I'm not the know-it-all, I'm going to have to include everyone to help us solve the problem. She was very clear to say, I'll make the ultimate decision, but I want to make sure that I've surrounded myself with people that want to contribute and collaborate and then I'll figure out what, what the right move is. And I loved that because as she fully immersed everyone in this opportunity to develop something, she was able to expect complete commitment to making it work. And so she didn't dictate that. She facilitated that. And then she got it. So that's the first three. Belief in the movement, out-of-the-box thinking, and complete full immersion with your whole team in every part of the process. Those three things got her going. And then the the last couple of things I thought really were important, too, she intentionally built her network of other sales leaders that she kicks ideas around with. What a great thing. She was one of the first ones to talk about that on the show. I have learned that that's a huge, huge asset for every sales leader. Just last week, I shared an email that I was working, you know, one uh, example email from one of our reps with a different sales leader that I have a great relationship with. And I said, what would you do with this? And he said, I love this part. I would change this part. Here are three emails uh, from my team where they've done it this way. And that helped my team get better because I had that relationship and that network. So as sales leaders, make sure you're building that network where you can collaborate because I've found that sales leaders like to collaborate with each other. And that collaboration is part five. The final thing that I found with her, she is not going to talk about collaboration. She is a collaborator. She collaborates with other sales leaders. She's made it so her whole team collaborates with her and each other, and that has become jet fuel for them. It's made it so their coaching emphasis has even more legs because it's not just related to when she has one-on-ones or her managers have one-on-ones. They coach each other. They share. They, they kick ideas around. They listen to each other's calls. They do all these interesting things where they coach each other up and they collaborate, and they absolutely have a we mindset, not a me mindset. And that mindset will keep you off that pedestal. And what it will do is keep the rest of your team in evolutionary uh, rocket-fueled mode. So I hope that that was interesting. I, I hope that you finish the way she finished this with really focus on what's our framework for coaching. You know, If you follow our show, you know that I run a coaching company. We, we have a platform that helps organizations transform the lives of salespeople around the world. But it takes leaders like Tony that want a framework of coaching. It makes You make sure that you hire people who want to be developed. You make sure that you understand what part of the process matters most for that unique individual rather than what's flavor of the month for the team. And at the end of the day, if you can't build an individual development program for an individual rep, you're going to let them down. And Tony's doing that with her team. I hope you found this to be a killer uh killer, killer interview. I want to thank Tony again. I hope each of you are finding great perspectives as you listen to the show. Go read those books on the Sales Leadership Library. Please give us the reviews on wherever you download your, your podcast from. And at the end of the day, I wish you happy selling and remind you, don't worry, just exit because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. 
You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.